0: Each episode of Brain Health Unchaining Your Pain with Dr. Ruth Allen is for educational and demonstration purposes only. The information shared in each episode should not be interpreted as medical advice. This episode should not be used to self diagnose or self treat any health, medical, or physical condition. Do not use this episode to avoid going to your healthcare professional or to replace the advice they give you. Consult with a trusted healthcare professional before doing anything contained in this episode. If you have any questions or concerns, please contact www.ruthmaryallen.com forward slash connect. Welcome to the show, Brain Health Unchaining Your Pain. I am delighted to be joined by the wonderful Dr. Nathan Bryan. Welcome to the show, Dr. Bryan.
1: Thank you, Dr. Ruth. great pleasure to be with you.
0: I'm so excited because I know we it's been a challenge for us to get together. And um, I'm really, really interested in this topic um, that we're going to talk about today, which is all about nitric oxide and the importance um, that it plays in our overall health and also our brain health. Um, particularly because my I think it's a, has been a key contributor to my dad passing away because he died of a heart attack and I know that right. there's lots of that the the evolution of this uh, amazing molecule came out of a Nobel prize but before we dive into that I would love to know what you are passionate about in life right now
1: well you know dr ruth everything i'm doing now is really kind of focused on my 20 years of, of research in basic sciences and understanding Nitric oxide and how we move those discoveries and translate that into clinical medicine. So, you know, we have a number of companies. We've got a drug company, we're developing these nitric oxide technologies into uh, prescription drugs, going through FDA clinical trials, trying to get, uh, you know, safe and effective nitric oxide drugs for things like Alzheimer's, uh, yeah. vascular dementia, uh, ischemic heart disease. Uh, wounds, diabetic wounds, non-healing ulcers, mm-hmm. and so really, that's what I'm really, really excited about and passionate about because I don't think that there's a single indication where nitric oxide at the right dose in the right patient wouldn't be beneficial. And so I, I truly believe that this will, you know, completely change the landscape of healthcare and how we treat patients for the next hundred years.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree, and and for those that don't know Dr. Brian, because he is a force in the space of nitric oxide he's an international expert expert in nitric biochemistry and molecular medicine he's more than 20 years in academic research that's led to many seminal discoveries um, and that's resulted in dozens of patents in the us and internationally and his products um, from his innovations have really improved patient care uh, for more than a decade so you are really uh, the, the expert when it comes to nitric oxide. But before we dive into your expertise, I'd um, I'd love to know where it all started for you, where your science journey started, if you wouldn't yeah. mind taking us back.
1: Well, you know, it goes back to probably when I was in middle school and high school. I was always good in math and science, but really didn't know what I wanted to do with that. And so my, uh, after high school, I enrolled at the University of Texas at Austin, where I got a degree in biochemistry. And it was really during my undergraduate research that I got a chance to do undergraduate research or uh, during my undergraduate studies. I, I did research in a, in a biochemistry lab and really fell in love with this concept of discovery where, and really this intellectual freedom where you can ask any question you want in biology and then design experiments to answer those questions. I mean, really, there's no other profession that allows you that much intellectual freedom. And so that I really fell in love with that concept. And then, you know, with a degree in biochemistry, there's or a bachelor's degree in biochemistry. There's really not a lot you can do. So I knew I had to go on and further my education. So I enrolled in a, a Ph.D. program in LSU School of Medicine in Molecular and Cellular Physiology. And it was there I was introduced to this whole field in science of nitric oxide. And, you know, a Nobel Prize had just been awarded for its discovery that we, we knew a lot of. A lot about it. We knew it was an important molecule, but there were still so many unanswered questions in, in biology and physiology. So for me, that was really that led me on this path to answer these fundamental questions. And from there, I went to Boston University School of Medicine, where I did a fellowship in um, cardiology and cardiovascular biology. Uh, and then I got my first faculty position at the University of Texas Health Science Center in Houston and I believe it was 2005. So that's really where I started my independent research career. And as you mentioned in the introduction, we made a lot of discoveries. And now our Challenges to take those discoveries and translate that into safe and effective uh, therapeutics.
0: Yeah, I, I love that and I um, For those that are, are unaware of the the role that nitric oxide plays in, in our overall health uh, And I think the discovery was as, as part of the cardiovascular system wasn't it? Would you That's mind right. uh, uh, just providing a layman's overview or layperson's overview as to what nitric oxide is and what it does and why it's so important?
1: Yeah, of course no, nitric oxide is a signaling molecule, but it's a gas. And so when it's gas, when it's produced in the body, it's it's gone in less than a second. But once it's produced, it starts a lot of these signaling cascades. So for instance, it tells other cells in the body what to do. Its main function is it tells the the. The muscles surrounding all blood vessels to relax and dilate. So, when you dilate blood vessels, you get an improvement in blood flow and oxygen delivery. You normalize blood pressure if you have high blood pressure. But it's also extremely important in oxygen delivery. So, mm-hmm. we cannot deliver oxygen from our red blood cells without oxide. So, that's kind of its main recognize signaling aspects as a vasodilator, but it also prevents inflammation in the body. It inhibits oxidative stress and the immune dysfunction. And really those are the three characteristics of all chronic disease. You have inflammation, oxidative stress, and immune dysfunction. And we've realized that nitric oxide is what controls and regulates all three of those. But it's how our immune system fights off invading pathogens. It's a neurotransmitter in the central nervous system. So it's extremely important in uh, neurology and brain function and cognition. Uh, so, we can begin to hopefully understand what goes wrong in patients that can't make nitric oxide. There are a number of symptoms and diseases that develop. They develop high blood pressure, erectile dysfunction. They uh, have mild cognitive disorders that develop into vascular mm-hmm. dementia, Alzheimer's, if not correctly. You develop insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes. You become exercise intolerant, chronic fatigue, uh, immunocompromised, where you can't fight off uh, infections. So what we're learning now is that it's the loss of nitric oxide that really is responsible for the onset and progression of most, if not all, chronic diseases.
0: So, it, I mean, ultimately, it's pretty fundamental as a, as a, a redox signaling molecule yeah. to ensure that you get the, um, the information to the right part of the body uh, through nitric oxide as a, as a redox molecule um to to help your your cell function effectively is that kind of correct in the context of cellular cellular function
1: no i think that's spot on you know the the human body is regenerative by nature right so we constantly wear ourselves out we just have to replace and repair dysfunctional tissues and about 20 years ago 25 years ago now was recognized that nitric oxide is what tells our own stem cells to mobilize and differentiate so when we what we sense so the body is always sensing its surroundings right? And so without sufficient blood flow, you don't get a good sensing. Without sufficient blood flow, you can't repair and replace Mm tissue. So nitric oxide, one of its primary roles is to open up the, the blood supply. So now that cells can communicate with one another, there's an open line of communication and the human body can basically do its job, regenerate and heal itself. But without that constant communication, without that adequate delivery of oxygen and nutrients to every cell in the body, then there's miscommunication, there's confusion, the cells can't replace, regenerate. You develop tissue dysfunction, end organ disease, and that's really the course of events that all relate back to a loss of nitric oxide production.
0: And, and what um, you know, I know there's quite a lot. I became aware of the real importance of nitric oxide through the Amon Clinics, talking with, with one of the mm-hmm. um, psychiatrists, do, do, Dr. Lowe, um, and how how it's so important in in the, the elasticity or the um, soft tissue in your heart to make sure that you've got very, um, uh, ease of flow of, okay. of blood flow and, and you don't get uh, arterial hardening. Um, and I, you know, James Nest has written the book Breathe, uh, where right. he talks about how to how we can personally enhance nitric oxide ourselves um, through the way in which we do breathing, in particular nasal breathing, which I've become a huge fan of. Um, to allow the generation of nitric oxide in our system but um, there's many ways in which we can generate nitric oxide aren't there by ourselves would you mind mentioning how how people can kind of enhance the nitric oxide personally and obviously there's a limit to how much we can do dependent on um, our, our baseline health level
1: no that's right So today we understand that there's two ways the human body makes nitric oxide. So the first pathway, and it was the first pathway to be discovered, was an enzyme Mm -hmm. that's found in the lining of the blood vessels. And that cell is called the endothelium. So we call mm-hmm. this enzyme the endothelial nitric oxide synthase. So that's what regulates blood flow, the second-to-second second production of nitric oxide. As you mentioned, it prevents the hardening of arteries. Mm-hmm. It kind of keeps your blood vessels soft and compliant. So with each heartbeat, it dampens the pulse wave and so it's less damage to the blood vessels. Uh, and that same enzyme is found in our epithelial cells, so in our mm-hmm. airway sinuses. Uh, and so when we activate that enzyme through nasal breathing we some, uh, some shear stress in these mechanoreceptors. It tells our epithelial cells to produce nitric oxide, and then we breathe that into the airways. It's a bronchodilator, so it dilates the bronchioles, and we get an improvement in oxygen exchange, uh, pick up oxygen, release carbon dioxide. And that's the basis for the cardiopulmonary cycle. But if that enzyme becomes dysfunctional and uncoupled, and this is the basis of, of really most age related chronic disease, mm-hmm. and the endothelium, we call this endothelial dysfunction. But in the epithelium, that dysfunction occurs too. So when people that have poor vascular health or endothelial dysfunction, you can do the nasal breathing and all these proper breathing techniques. But if you don't restore the function of that enzyme, you're not gonna get any nitric oxide produced. And we can actually measure this with a nitric oxide analyzer. So we have to recouple the enzyme in the endothelium, in the epithelium. So now when we stimulate it or activate it, we can actually produce nitric oxide. So we understand how to do that and then the other way the other pathway where nitric oxide is produced is through diet. You mm-hmm. know this explains the like a mediterranean diet, a vegetarian diet, a japanese diet. But certain foods are enriched in inorganic nitrate and then that nitrate when we consume it the metabol the, the body through mostly bacteria that live in and on the body convert that all the way down into nitric oxide. So now we can restore the function of nitric oxide through diet. We can restore the function of nitric oxide by recoupling the NOS enzyme. And really that's the, the whole secret uh, to longevity and proper cardiovascular health and preventing the onset and progression of, of all these chronic diseases.
0: And I, I, I love it because I listened to uh, your podcast with uh, Dr. Uh, David Perlmutter um, mm-hmm. and also obviously watch your videos on, online. And I love the fact that how the importance of our diet for the generation of nitric oxide, which starts with what we obviously put in our mouth and how we <laughs> chew our food and and what uh, environment our mouth has in order for that nitric oxide to be generated from the nitrates. I wonder if you might be able to just explain it a little bit more to people about how the process really works in our mouth. Sure. And why we have to focus on uh, oral health, but in a way that's very different to what the traditional uh, outdated uh, approaches are to what constitutes good oral health because we have really uh, enhanced our knowledge haven't we in the in oral health and there's lots of great um, dentists out there now who who are taking a much more functional uh, approach to dentistry that is moving sure. away from the misinformation that people have been fed. So I'd love for you to explain what the misinformation is and what we really should be doing in the context of oral health that yeah. not many of us are doing now.
1: Now this is this is always kind of the aha moment for people when we when we tell this story. Um, <laughs> but you know the the science of nitric oxide is very complex, but really comes down to the basics. That we've known for many, many decades, if not centuries. It's 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 a balanced diet in moderation and it's moderate physical exercise. That seems to cure a lot of these mm-hmm. chronic diseases. But we have now we understand mechanistically how this pathway works and what we're doing to disrupt it. So for instance, when we eat green leafy vegetables like spinach, kale, arugula, celery, it's typically these green leafy vegetables that contain a molecule called nitrate, inorganic nitrate or NO3-. Mm-hmm. So when we consume these vegetables, 90 minutes after we consume these, the nitrate's taken up in the gut and it's concentrated in our salivary glands. So now for the next six, eight, 10 hours, each time we salivate, we're secreting nitrate and then there are bacteria that live in the mouth on the crypts of the tongue that are nitrate reducers. And humans do not have this enzyme, so we're 100% dependent upon the bacteria to perform this two electron reduction of nitrate to nitrite. And now when we swallow our own saliva, we get a burst of nitric oxide gas in the stomach, provided the stomach can make stomach acid. Mm-hmm. And then what we call the PKA or the the, the the pH at which nitrite becomes protonated to form nitric oxide is 3.4. So now after that meal, for the next four, six, eight, ten 10 hours, every time we swallow our own saliva, we get a burst of nitric oxide that nitric oxide that's produced in the stomach kills things like H. pylori, the ulcer causing bacteria, kill E. coli, uh, clostridium, so any foodborne pathogen. But it also enhances the, the blood flow to the stomach so you can enhance nutrients absorption like iron and selenium and chromium and B vitamins. And so, number one, you need, you need three things. You need sufficient nitrate from your diet. So you get to throw in some more green leafy vegetables. You need the proper bacteria and you need stomach acid production. Mm -hmm. And here's where things go wrong. Number one, most people don't get enough nitrate from their diet because as we published in 2015, organically grown vegetables typically have 10 times less nitrate than conventionally grown. And most people have moved to this organic type uh, of, of feeding and prevent the herbicides and the pesticides from being in their food supply. But the problem is there's not enough nitrate in those vegetables. Number two is if we eradicate the bacteria in our mouth, then we kill these nitrate-reducing bacteria and we completely eliminate the nitric oxide benefits of a vegetarian diet or eating a plant-based diet. And there's in in America, the statistics are very clear that two out of three Americans use mouthwash every day. I don't know what it is in the UK or other regions. I'm not sure,
0: but I'm sure it's probably similar. We tend to follow yourselves in the statistics.
1: (laughs) So we've published in others that if you use mouthwash, It kills the good bacteria along with the bad. You get an increase in blood pressure because you lose the production of nitric oxide. You actually lose the cardioprotective benefits of exercise, and it sets you on this rapid progression of hypertension, cardiovascular disease, uh, diabetes, everything that's related to nitric oxide. So that's one. And then the third thing is you have to have stomach acid. And there are these uh, classes, uh, classes of drugs called antacids or proton pump inhibitors. Mm -hmm. There's 200 million prescriptions written for those every year in the U S and that's now you can purchase these products over the counter. You don't even need a prescription for this. So when you, when you shut down stomach acid production, that's probably the worst thing you can do physiologically speaking, because now you can't make nitric oxide. You can't break proteins down into amino acids. You develop foodborne allergens uh, osteoporosis. You can't absorb things like calcium, selenium, zinc, iron, you become anemic. Um, And most importantly, And this was a study published, I believe, in 2016. People who have been on these antacids for three to five years have a 40 percent higher incidence of heart attack and stroke. Wow. So these drugs are absolutely killing people because they're shutting down nitric oxide production and putting you at increased risk for heart attack and stroke. So what I tell people is you got to change your diet. Throw in some more green leafy vegetables. If you use mouthwash, you absolutely have to stop. And if you're on an antacid, you absolutely have to get off your antacids. Because you're, everything we're doing is shutting down nitric oxide production, and the consequences of that are very clear uh, and deadly.
0: And I, I'd love to, because I have skeptics around me, <laughs> as we all do, uh, who are who have been, uh, I, I, I loosely use the word brainwashed um, oh. by industry into um, believing that mouthwash is going to... Um, enhance their overall oral health but actually the opposite is true Um, (laughs) how would you um, recommend people who are now listening to this podcast um, message out the shift that is needed not only at the skeptics from uh, your household friends family and so on level uh, but also to your local dentist who who, uh, may be advising that mouthwashers uh, the next best thing, and that's going to really help your your oral health, which is which in ha- absolutely is not true. And I don't use mouthwash anymore um, uh, because because of, because of exactly the reason that you mentioned, and also it's just it just like you said, it just destroys the good the good bugs in your in your mouth that you really need.
1: Yeah, well, I recommend people read the published literature. I mean, you know, you can go to PubMed, which is basically a, a database of every single peer reviewed journal or publication out there and you know you won't see mainstream media pick up on these types of studies because it's really disruptive to a lot of these big companies these consumer product goods companies these pharmaceutical companies that are selling billions of dollars every year in mouthwash and antiseptics so this is completely disruptive to a a lot of companies and they don't want to hear this and they Mm -hmm. certainly don't want their customers to hear and it
0: even includes fluoride as well right doesn't it because fluoride is disruptive to, yes. to the oral microbiome as well so you yes. should not have a toothpaste with fluoride in it because it's not healthy nor should you have yes. water with fluoride in it which for some uh, a reason beyond many of the functional medicine doctors understanding here in the UK they've decided to introduce in parts of the country into the into the drinking water which is which is uh, going to ensue a, a sort of national uh, a local health crisis in the future uh, unless people filter the water because they've they've deemed that it's actually healthy to your uh, to your um, oral health, which is actually completely incorrect.
1: Yeah. Now, look, fluoride is an element on the periodic table. It's one of the most toxic elements. Um, it's a neurotoxin. It's antiseptic and it destroys your thyroid function. I mean, we have a global pandemic on hypothyroidism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so fl- you have to get rid of fluoride. I mean, if you look at the back of your toothpaste, a fluorinated toothpaste, you'll see on there, at least in the U.S., it says if you swallow this, call poison control. So fluoride is a poison. Uh, It was used as rat poison years ago. So get rid of fluoride in your toothpaste. the reason they put it in water is to kill the bacteria in the water supply because it's antiseptic. So it's antiseptic in your mouth. It's antiseptic when the dentist puts it on your, your teeth. It kills the good guys and it kills the bad guys. But the collateral damage it does is much worse than the the benefit. So for me, everything is kind of Mm risk-benefit. The risk of fluoride far outweigh any benefits you're ever going to receive from Mm -hmm. it. So for me, it's an easy decision. You have to get Mm -hmm. the fluoride-free toothpaste, get a home filtration system, and remove the fluoride from your water supply. Because it's not just the water you're drinking, it's the water you're bathing in, heating up to 105 degrees and, uh, you know, volatilizing the the fluoride and the chlorine and the chloramine and the chloride and it's absorbed in the lungs and it's extremely toxic. Mm. Um, and
0: and I just you know this is not new science. It may be no. you know for me I've re- relatively recently um, learned about it, but it's not it's not new in the context of the research out there. Um, is there um. And I know um, there's other doctors and maybe I'm um, asking a question that you can't answer, but I'm sort of curious to understand if you know the answer. Why are we still allowing fluoride in toothpaste? You know, why? I just don't get why there's such a drive. I'm assuming because industry are in the pockets of the uh, organisations that have the power to, to change that.
1: Well, at least in the U.S., you have these really powerful organizations called the American Medical Association yeah. that establishes the standard of care and the licensing for physicians. And for dentists, you have the American Dental Association. And these organizations are funded by big pharma, big companies. Mm-hmm. So they dictate the policy and really the, the curriculum of this. So I go and I ask dentists all the time. I have a number of uh, dental friends and colleagues and I go, why are you still using fluoride? And they go, well, it's just the way we've always done it. Like, well, you know what? We used to use um, leeches to exsanguinate patients years ago, too. But we don't do that anymore for good reasons. We, you know, the progression of science and research and development allows us to realize what we did 50 years ago, 60 years ago probably wasn't a good idea. And I we think- used
0: to use gas to, to, uh, as lighting, and that's not safe. <laughs> that's right.
1: No. And so I think we're going to look forward 20, 30 years from now and look back and go, holy smokes, we were using fluoride. A known neurotoxin in the water supply and look at look what happened we have the sickest population around the world i mean we have the most innovative science and technology to really understand the mechanism of every single human disease diagnose it prevent it treat it cure it but yet we have the sickest population in the world at any time in the history of the world Mm -hmm. so what we're doing is not working and when we look back there's a lot of people going to go wow and I never questioned it because I just trust it and yeah. we cannot trust anymore because there's too much power in the, the big companies that are making billions of dollars that what we do in terms of innovations and science and discovery is disruptive to them. And there's enormous mm-hmm. resistance to getting the proper science, the proper information and the right information into the hands of the masses.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, and I think, you know, that, that ties back nicely into the, the theme of this podcast, which is brain health. We're kind of using our brains against ourselves <laughs> in the context of evolution. We're, you know, we're, we're in a devolution state. Actually, we're seeing people, their life expectancy is decreasing uh, when it should be increasing because of the way in which we've, uh, and I'll go back to the word brainwashed, um, the nation in the context of what is good for them and what isn't and in fact uh, there's a lot of lies out there Um, and if if I go um, back to brain health I'd love to know um, in the context of your life's journey what does optimal brain health mean for you personally?
1: Well you know the brain is a really a magnificent organ and you know when we lose its function you know we lose really the whole essence of life and it's you know being able to build relationships and and express love and and serve others. So for me, it's all about, uh, you know, being able to communicate, to build relationships, to show love, and to be able to direct our own thoughts. Uh, because, you know, we live in a very stressful world. I have a very stressful life. And if we're not able, if our brain is not able to comprehend, to take in these external stimuli and then process it, and if your brain's not functioning properly, then the stress and these stressors can actually destroy you. So for me, and, and really the stressful world that I live in and enormous pressure and, you know, people coming after you and, you know, trying to continue to innovate and, and move the science forward is for me, optimal brain health is being able to not, not only function, but to process information and be able to take the assaults we get on a daily basis mm-hmm. and then process that and then not let it bother, bother us right? So we have to be able to process it, integrate it. And then for me, you know, I would try to make a very uh, deliberate effort not to worry about things I can't control. Mm-hmm. And that requires enormous brain activity because it, we're worriers, right? I think human nature is when things happen to us, good or bad, typically bad things, then we worry about it. But yeah. you know, I make a, a deliberate effort to specifically a conscious effort. do not, I do not worry about things I cannot control. Yeah. Now, the things that I control, then I can worry about, I can make deliberate decisions. And as long as my brain is functioning properly, then I can process that information and hopefully make good choices.
0: Yeah. Uh, do you know, I love that because you touched on, um, you know, the five pillars of brain health. We talk about feelings, our actions and our connections um, to ourselves and others, which is a fundamental part of communication and building relationships. Uh, our thoughts, which you mentioned, is, is directing your own thoughts and the importance of that. Um, and then also the surroundings and the toxins and how how that really influences us. I, I'd love to dive into the communication piece that you mentioned and go back into nit- the role of nitric oxide in oh, our yeah. brain health. If you if you wouldn't mind, is is to dive a little bit deeper into the importance of, importance of nitric oxide in our brain. Uh, what what symptoms we may be experiencing when we are deficient. And what the knock-on effects of that are um, f- for us personally, uh, from a cognitive perspective, and then a, sure. and then if we dive a bit deeper into the the rest of our bodily systems.
1: Well, n- nitric oxide is really important in the brain. Probably one of the most affected organs by nitric oxide because there's yeah. there's two main roles of nitric oxide in the brain. Number one, it controls the regulation of blood flow. So when we we need to recall memory, for example, then we have to increase blood flow to the prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. And without sufficient nitric oxide production, you can't dilate the blood vessels and increase perfusion to certain regions of the brain. So when that happens, we don't recall memory. We develop cognitive disorders um, and then eventually it'll develop into Alzheimer's if you don't fix the metabolic uh, perturbations in in the nitric oxide or in the brain and restore blood flow. But secondly, nitric oxide is a neurotransmitter. Mm-hmm. So it's it's what we call a retrograde messenger. So in the brain, you have these synapses. You've got the postsynaptic cleft and the presynaptic. So when nitric oxide is produced, it's a gas and then it travels back into the presynaptic cleft and it controls things like glutamate and CGRP and a lot of these neurotransmitters. So if you can't make nitric oxide, then you get a dysregulation of of, of Synaptic transmission or neurotransmission. So loss of nitric oxide can be responsible for vascular dementia where Mm -hmm. you have focal ischemia, loss of regulation of blood flow to certain regions of the brain. It can be responsible for, you know, psychotic disorders where there's a dysregulation of amino acid neurotransmitters or any any synaptic transmission. So we have to restore the function of the enzyme and we have to be able to really recapitulate nitric oxide signaling, which we know how to do now by restoring the function of the enzyme. And we can do it through proper diet and just feeding this enterosalivary circuit of nitric oxide. Mm
0: -hmm. And uh, that starts in the gut, of course, or starts in the mouth that we mentioned. But the importance of... of activating that enzyme in the gut in order to allow the the release of nitric oxide that then obviously travels as a neurotransmitter to the brain is that correct
1: no that's right so there look let me just make clear there's there's other reasons for developing you know neurocognitive disorders or you know loss of electrical activity in the brain nitric oxides kind of not the silver bullet to fix all that you may have a deficiency of amino acids because you're taking acids and you can't break down proteins into amino acids so you develop a, a deficiency in some of these uh, amino acid neurotransmitters like dopamine yeah. serotonin things like that that are built upon basic amino acids uh, but in order for this to work in order for the communication aspects of nitric oxide which is a signaling molecule yeah. then you can have all this together. But if you can't make nitric oxide, then the cells can't communicate with one another and they become uh, dysfunctional and you develop neurocognitive disorders.
0: And um, in the context of your research that you've done and the, and the innovations that have come out of it, um, what are the key, key steps, that um, the interventions to up uh, lift the um, nitric oxide in our, uh, in our body In order to address some of these cognitive challenges that uh, people experience that perhaps they can't do themselves because i know you've got some really neat innovations out there
1: yeah well you know to, to to be able to do this we had to go back and understand the mechanism of what goes wrong in people that can't make nitric oxide so about 10 or 15 years ago we figured this out so we know how the human body makes nitric oxide we know what goes wrong in people that can't make it And now we know how to fix it, right? So our whole concept was in developing safe and effective nitric oxide product technology is if the human body can't make it, then we got to do it for you, right? Uh It's like, you know, hormone replacement therapy in either men or women. If men can't make testosterone for whatever reason, then we give it to them. If women aren't making estrogen because they're menopausal, then we have to give it to them. So very similar concept with nitric oxide, but completely different than hormone replacement therapy. When we give nitric oxide, we don't shut down endogenous production of them, at least our technology does. Because the other thing we do is if we we fix the reason people can't make nitric oxide. So what is that? Well, we recouple the nitric oxide synthase enzyme in the endothelium and the epithelium, but we also restore the production of the right bacteria in the oral cavity. And so we do this. And so, so as I mentioned earlier, nitric oxide is a gas. So how do you deliver a gas it's gone in less than a second to a human being. And really the only way to do this, and I, I was the first person and still the only person to de- deliver a solid dose form of a bioactive gas. So we do this in a couple of ways. We make an orally disintegrating tablet that when you put this tablet in your mouth, it dissolves over usually five to six minutes. But as it's slowly dissolving, it's releasing nitric oxide gas. It's vasoactive. It's biologically active. We can see dilation of the blood vessels typically within 12 seconds, uh, So we know we're releasing nitric oxide. We can quantify it. We can detect it. We can verify it. It's vasoactive. We can see a normalization of blood pressure. But we also recouple the the enzyme in the lining of the blood vessel. So now we're improving the body's ability to make nitric oxide on its own. So our whole concept is if you're low in nitric oxide, if you have endothelial dysfunction, then you can take this lozenge. It releases nitric oxide and it's going to improve your endothelial function. And then hopefully over time, you need less and less of this product. But because we live in a very toxic world, whether it's EMFs or herbicides or pesticides or environmental toxicants, we almost always need a kind of a supplemental dose of nitric oxide. Mm -hmm. So we can do this through a lozenge. We can do it through a a beet powder that you put in water and uh, it immediately generates nitric oxide gas. We've done this topically through a dual chamber delivery that you apply to the skin, releases nitric oxide and... You can actually see it dilating the blood vessels on the skin. It'll turn pink. And so we're improving blood flow to that particular area in which it's applied.
0: And uh, obviously, because it's nitric oxide, your body knows exactly what to do with it. So it just goes straight into the cells. uh, No, that's right.
1: Yeah, no, it's a very important concept you bring up because when we develop drugs, you know, there's a whole field called pharmacology, right? We create these synthetic compounds that are designed to inhibit a particular biochemical reaction. Mm -hmm. What we do in terms of nitric oxide is what we call restorative physiology. So this is not pharmacology, what we're doing. This is restorative physiology. So the question is, how much nitric oxide does a person need over how long a period of time? So about 25 years ago, we understood how much nitric oxide a healthy 18, 20-year-old person would make over a 24-hour period. So what we do in terms of innovations and, and Drug development is let's give back what's missing, right? And le- never give the body something that it's not used to seeing because mm-hmm. we know too little. Nitric oxide is bad. Too much nitric oxide can be bad. Mm-hmm. So we had to dial in the right amount of nitric oxide that would completely recapitulate nitric oxide based signaling if all systems were intact.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's so important. And I, I'd love to know what the um, the findings are when when you if we focus on the start state where it's discovered, nitric oxide. When we elevate people's own ability to generate nitric oxide through the use of lozenges um, or or from the um, beet juice that you mentioned, yeah. um, what improvements have you noted I- in the research that you've done on on their vascular health?
1: Well, we've, there's a number of published clinical trials in humans, so this is this is an animal data we're talking about. We're talking about. <laughs> actual human beings that we've translated this into. So when we restore nitric oxide through any of these uh, technologies, we see an improvement in blood pressure, right? So Mm -hmm. two out of three, at least Americans, I think it's probably global. People have an unsafe elevation in blood pressure, which is the number Mm -hmm. one risk factor for cardiovascular disease, the number one killer of men and women worldwide. So we can normalize blood pressure. Mm -hmm. We see an improvement in exercise performance. So whether you're a well-trained athlete or just somebody who's trying to perform at the best level, nitric oxide can improve exercise performance. It improves mitochondrial function, so the cells are generating more energy, more mm-hmm. efficiently, with less oxygen. We see an improvement in sexual function. Now, there's a whole epidemic of erectile dysfunction in both men and women. When we restore the production of nitric oxide, you can dilate the blood vessels of the sex organs and get the engorgement and get better sexual function. Mm-hmm. We're seeing an improvement in brain health. Uh, uh, improvement in cognition. We're seeing a regression of cardiovascular disease. We've had people that had, you know, plaque deposit in the lining of their blood vessels in six months. We're seeing about 11% plaque regression. Um, what else? Better kidney function. We're reversing heart disease. I mean, these are all published uh, data in humans that we've been able to document and verify the importance of nitric oxide in really m- uh, most, if not all, chronic diseases.
0: And I'd love to know on the on the sort of generic uh Hot topic question, I suppose, as it were, is long COVID, which is, I oh, think, no. perceived as a, a vascular issue um, uh, by many um, and ha- how your vascular system gets disrupted through the the attack of the, the COVID virus. With the addition of uh, nitric oxide, it, have you noticed that people's um, uh, long COVID symptoms have reduced or is that something you've not yet studied?
1: No, absolutely. We've studied that. In fact, in 2020, we had a a, a drug, our nitric oxide drug in phase three clinical trials for COVID. So Mm -hmm. we understood early on the etiology of those that got sick and died from COVID. So Mm -hmm. here's what happens with COVID. The the coronavirus attaches to the ACE receptor on the epithelial cells, primarily in the airway. Mm -hmm. And then that ACE receptor internalizes it And then the spike protein is what's transported and the spike protein is the toxin. Mm -hmm. So it, there's ACE receptors on our endothelial cells. So it activates, it's taken up by the endothelial cells. You endothelial cells create an what's called an an expression of adhesion molecules. And then platelets, monocytes, neutrophils, start sticking to the lining of the blood vessels. You get platelet activation, elevation in D-dimers, microclots, heart attacks, strokes. So everything we know about COVID relates to vascular inflammation Mm -hmm. The spike protein activating this whole inflammatory cascade, and it also attacks
0: your mitochondria, so it causes mitochondrial dysfunction as well. that's right. Yeah, yeah, it's completely,
1: yeah, completely wreaks havoc on the cell. Mm -hmm. In inflammation, oxidative stress, and immune dysfunction, it starts Mm -hmm. this whole cascade of the onset and progression of chronic disease. But we published, I believe it was in 2007, that nitric oxide completely inhibits. The upregulation of the adhesion molecules prevents platelets, monocytes and neutrophils from sticking to the lining of the blood vessels and really downregulates the ACE receptor so there's mm-hmm. less target for the spike protein to bind to. So people with long COVID absolutely have to have the nitric oxide and it's not just, you know, in this really really horrific experiment where they gave uh, people Uh, the coronavirus uh, mRNA the spike protein mRNA now the body's producing spike protein now we have to deal with or some people have to deal with the spike protein for the rest of their life Mm -hmm. so how do we mitigate the the inflammatory effects of the spike protein whether it's from long covid or whether it's from those that receive the mRNA vaccine nitric oxide is what controls and regulates and basically mitigates the inflammation caused by the spike protein.
0: Yeah, and I and I think it's such an Im, Im, important point that uh, you mentioned with the mRNA because there's there's been a lot of de- debate about the, um, the taking of the vaccine and actually many, many functional medicine doctors here in the UK are very opposed um, to, to the use of the mRNA vaccine because of the consequences mm-hmm. that have happened to people who have taken it. Um, who have developed severe reactions and, and, and in, in sometimes, um, you know, in se- severe cases that unfortunately have, have passed away.
1: Yeah. Um, well, you know, you, you have yeah. to go back to the risk benefit spectrum. Yeah. So early on, early on, the data were very clear that the mRNA vaccine didn't, didn't prevent uh, transmission. Mm-hmm. It did not prevent the progression of disease and it was not improving uh, rates of hospitalization, ventilation, or death. So there really was no benefit from it. What are the risks? Well, the risks were too far to, too many to, to uh, even mention uh, death, <laughs> uh, micropods, yeah. heart attack, and stroke. So when yeah. you have nothing but risk and no benefit, for me, that quotient is, is a very simple solution. There was no way I was ever going to get that shot because it was not going to provide me benefit. And it was going to subject me to enormous risk. And I think that's mm. what we're learning now three years later when all the data are coming out. Now they're admitting it didn't prevent transmission. It didn't prevent the severity of disease. It didn't prevent death. And what did it do? It made people sick. And in some cases, it killed people.
0: Mm. Mm. And and I think the fact that, you know, obviously from your research, is there is, a, there is a way to restore your nitric oxide production and to enhance your body's ability to produce nit- nitric oxide by addressing... Sure um the the function of the endothelial enzyme that you mentioned earlier what what is what is next um in the context of um supporting people who have uh, vascular issues uh, and you mentioned vascular dementia uh, and the uh, the use of nitric oxide to enhance their uh, performance whether that's enhancing them to maintain a, a normal level uh, of health, or whether to achieve a, an optimal level of health.
1: Sure. Well, you know we've we've had kind of over-the-counter products on the market now for I don't know many years, but we're taking this now through clinical trials to get specific to get approval for specific indications. Mm-hmm. So our our COVID drug study, you know, COVID changed over the course of several years, and you know just to kind of go back to to COVID, and we talked about the importance of nitric oxide. I think I was probably the best in equal one experiment. You know, since June of 2020, I've been on an airplane every week uh, all throughout COVID. At one point, we had 26 clinics here in the U.S. where we were enrolling COVID patients, really sick, high-risk patients. And so I was in these COVID clinics every week, every month on airplanes. I didn't wear a mask. I never got the vaccine, but yet I never developed COVID. So what happened? It's not that I wasn't exposed to COVID. It's that if we restore our nitric oxide, our ability to make nitric oxide, when we're exposed to the COVID, our immune cells goes to the site of attachment infection and shuts down viral replication, and we never get sick from it. So that's the yeah. best defense is keeping a robust immune system and keeping the patient healthy so that they can mobilize an immune response and kill the kill the virus before it has a chance to take hold and replicate and propagate throughout the body. Yeah. So we're developing drugs now not only for I mean, COVID's pretty much gone away. We'll we'll resurrect our our antiviral drug during the next pandemic. Uh, but we're developing, you know, our nitric oxide drug for things like Alzheimer's and really affecting not just the loss of regulation of blood flow because we can restore cerebral blood flow and we can measure this by SPECT or functional MRI. But we're basically reversing the metabolic uh, dysfunction in diabetes in Alzheimer's. You know, Alzheimer's has been uh, called diabetes type three, so yeah, it's insulin resistance good. and and an improper energy metabolism and glucose uptake. So nitric oxide is what potentiates insulin signaling, improves glucose uptake. So you can completely reverse the uh, metabolic phenotype in Alzheimer's simply by nitric oxide. So when you restore blood flow, you reduce inflammation, you upregulate these signaling pathways that prevent protein misfolding. You don't get beta amyloid plaque, you don't get the tau tangles, and you restore the energy metabolism and the, the energetics in the brain, then it creates an environment where Alzheimer's will go away we, we're basically correcting the underlying cellular energetics and metabolism in the brain yeah. all through the production of nitric oxide i
0: i find that absolutely fascinating that the you know how if you address the underlying uh, cellular molecular um uh, communication system right. um that you can drastically change um the outcome for people Well, here's
1: you know here's it's not humorous. It's it's actually quite frightening. But, you know, all Alzheimer's drugs that have been tried to be developed for the past 20 or 30 years have failed. Yeah,
0: right?
1: every one. Every single one of them. And why is yeah. that? It's because these these companies and these scientists were going after and targeting the beta amyloid or the tau tangles. Mm-hmm. That's not the cause of disease. It's a consequence. Yeah, there's no way these drugs targeted at the tau tangles or the beta amyloid are ever going to do anything disease you've missed the boat yeah. those those are consequences of disease what we're doing through our drug program is getting to the root cause of disease we understand okay. without a, a doubt what causes alzheimer's and we know mechanistically how to reverse and change the energetics change the perfusion of the brain and can overcome the metabolic phenotypes of of alzheimer's and prevent the consequences of disease which are the beta amyloid the tau tangle misfolded proteins
0: yeah and it's kind of like saying, oh, I'm sorry you've got a broken leg, but we're not going to image it. We're just going to give you a plaster um, and some pain relief, um, and you're going to have to take that for the rest of your life, um, which, which will be shorter. Um, uh, but we're not going to address the underlying fact that you've broken your leg and now you've got no ability to function." <laughs> um, and I think, you know, this is, for me, um, is where medicine needs to go in the next 30 years, is that is the focus on communication, um, which you mentioned what optimal brain health is for you, is, is the communication molecules that are so fundamental uh, to every single process in our body, to every single system in our body, with nitric oxide being, you know, one of, uh, one of the, the first Nobel Prize awarded in, in the importance of redox, um, signaling molecules feel- and there's been many more uh, since then I think six since then there? Um, around the, the topic of redox biochemistry um, and you know understand that there's, a, there's a, a dance between the nutrients that we need in our body in order for our body to function and how we communicate the sending of those nutrients to the vital part, vital organs that that need it and the last sort of thirty years and beyond has been focusing on nutrients, uh, right. and there's been no real focus on the communication that's necessary to to get those nutrients to to where they need to go. Which is which is you know nitric oxide is such an important. Yeah. Uh, you make a
1: you make a very good point. So in most dysfunctional tissue, whether it's the prefrontal cortex of the brain, yeah. there's by definition decreased blood flow we call it ischemia or hypoxia so there's not enough blood flow so you can be replete in nutrients and take all the nutrients you want but if you if you're not delivering to that particular part of the brain or that particular tissue or cell then they're that tissue is depleted the body's not depleted so you got to open up the blood vessels and now deliver those nutrients to the individual tissues and cells that, that need them and then then the body can regenerate and and the cells can perform their function.
0: Yeah, it's like uh, it's like ordering lots of things on Amazon, but having no <laughs> delivery mechanism.
1: That's right. The, the, to get the it truck, to your house. traffic, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and not paying any attention to the route that it needs to take.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, great analogy.
0: <laughs> um, so uh, I'd love to know, you know, for in the context of um, nitric oxide itself, um, what what is it that, um, what aspect of intake do you think will really transform um, people's health at a layperson level? So we, we talked about the chronic um, or, or extreme uh, diseases that, uh, that people experience, including Alzheimer's. Absolutely so important that we address that. But we also have to elevate our own uh, baseline health level what What aspect do you think will really um make that transformation given the the the, the things that we discussed at the beginning um, where we are being depleted of of nitric oxide is there is there anything that you think really will um, uh, make us a, a, a tectonic shift in that space
1: no I do and look I think we understand you know unequivocally how the body makes nitric oxide and now we can fix that so you know I try to teach people, inform people of you only got to do two things to restore your nitric oxide. Mm -hmm. Stop doing the things that disrupt it and start doing the things that promote it. So (laughs) what is that? If you're using mouthwash, you got to stop. If you're using fluoride, you got to get rid of it. Stop using antacids. And then, so those are the three things you stop doing. Yeah. That's really easy, right? We're not trying to, we're not changing habits. We're just basically eliminating some things that are getting in the way of your body making nitric oxide.
0: And it will save you money. It will
1: save you money is right. (laughs) And then just start doing the things that promote it green leafy vegetables, moderate physical exercise, 20 to 30 minutes of sunlight a day. You know, certain wavelengths of light will stimulate nitric oxide release. Um, And it's really that simple. And then when all else fails, you know, we develop products that do it for you. But that's not our first approach. Our first approach is to give the body what it needs so the body can do its job. But, you know, just like you may be deficient in certain nutrients, if you're deficient in nitric oxide, then we can provide that for you through different product technologies. But really, the body's designed to do its own job, so if we just we just got to get out of the way, right? Yeah. Let the body do its job. Yeah. I,
0: I, I love that you brought it back home to everybody. Is the importance that we've got the power to empower yes. ourselves, um, but we need just need to be uh, sensible and, like you say, do the things that help us um, and avoid the things that hurt us. Um, it's really that simple, yeah. so key, and and it's such a simple thing to do. Don't you know? Stop using mouthwash. Um, remove fluoride from your water and from your toothpaste. Um, Make sure that you uh, have enough sun exposure. Make sure that you eat eat your green leafy vegetables. Make sure that you uh, exercise. um, And don't take antacids or anything that's going to disrupt your um, pH in your stomach.
1: That's simple, right? We spent spent 45 minutes talking about the complexity of human disease and it boils down to something so simple.
0: (laughs) And do you know what I love about it? You know, for such a fundamentally important molecule, we can teach our kids this, you know, this is something that we can educate at uh, kindergarten level, nursery level, Um, every child, um, as soon as you know, they're able to talk, um, it is able to learn the importance of nitric oxide and how they can uh, take key steps to to change their health and ultimately their their, their wealth at the end of it.
1: Yeah. You know, and I think, Dr. Ruth, that's why what you do is so vitally important because, you know, I've taught in medical schools. I've taught future physicians. I've published over 100 peer-reviewed scientific articles. But, you know, that only gets you so far because the lay people typically don't lead, read the scientific literature. So we have to be able to communicate this information to the masses. And I think yeah. that's kind of the platform that you have. So now, you know, anybody, there's no more excuses. Ignorance is curable, right? And we're solving a lot of ignorance here by just providing the right information, uh, you know, overcoming the misinformation that's been out there. And so anybody, anywhere can listen to this, teach their kids this. And, you know, it's it's, it's amazing results. I get hundreds of emails, texts, and phone calls every week of lives that have been changed simply by listening to these what I think are common sense concepts and just eliminating some things, focusing on nitric oxide and it changes their life. It's really amazing. And there's nothing more gratifying than that. I can tell you.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, um, for all those that listening, um, you've heard it from the expert, Dr. Nathan Bryan is, uh, you know, a renowned expert in the field of nitric oxide and he's not one to, uh, pull the wool over your eyes by any stretch of the yeah. imagination so please do take um, his comments on board and the simplicity of really enhancing um, our nitric uh, oxide uptake and if you don't have the capacity to do that because of your health conditions um, then reach out to Dr Nathan um, at, and uh, his his web page and I know you're going to talk about that in a minute um, about how you can learn more about the amazing products he's now got on the market to to really help up, up regulate your nitric oxide production. And um, Do- Dr. Nathan, it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation. What um, what one piece of advice, or maybe a couple, I know we've mentioned a lot just just now. Would you give to anybody who is concerned about their overall health and wondering is this could this be? A nitric oxide deficiency?
1: Well, I think what we're finding is that people who have been poorly managed or had their chronic disease poorly managed by allopathic medicine for a number of years, you know, you have to start looking, you can't keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. So whether it's, and we, that's why we try to empower the patient, go ask your physician about nitric oxide, make them learn and understand it. Because what we're finding is many of these chronically or poorly managed chronic diseases can simply be restored in reverse by enhancing one's nitric oxide you can eliminate the things we talked about start doing the things that we discussed and remarkably you start to see patients get better uh, hey. and that's really life-changing for people who have you know suffered for many years and decades and unresolved symptoms or diseases when their physicians overlooked it and when patients get better that's the ultimate goal but we have to empower the patient today Phys- you can't you can't rely on the physician. I think they're they're goodwilled, they're well intended, but the system in which they operate doesn't allow them to answer to ask the right questions and really provide the right resources to their patients because there's not enough time uh, in the patient physician interaction.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree, and it, it's been an absolutely. Um, fascinating conversation. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and wisdom and insights into the importance of nitric oxide. How how can people um, get hold of you, learn more about what you do, your products um, and the services that you offer?
1: Yeah, so I typically, I'm not here to sell you products. I'm here to really provide education and information. So I first place I send people is to my educational website, drnathansbryan.com. I do a monthly blog there. There's a six minute video that'll kind of tell you kind of the basics of nitric oxide. Uh, I have my own YouTube channel. It's Dr. Nathan S. Bryan, Nitric Oxide. I've done a number of lectures, podcasts, interviews uh, on there. Uh, I'm certainly searchable on any search engine. And then for those of you interested in the product technology, they're trying it or you know trying to figure out if Nitric Oxide may be a solution for you. That's www.n101.com. And to your audience, Dr. Ruth, we're offering a 10% discount and free shipping uh, if they put in the code, the coupon code, Dr. Ruth. Uh, so that'll give you uh, a chance to try the products, and you know I'm certain that it will uh, have a positive impact in your life because we make nitric oxide, and you know if your body can't make it, we do it for you, and the the results and the consequences of that are life changing many times.
0: Oh, thank you, and make make sure you do go to um, Dr. Nathan's website, which is, the information will be posted below the show notes, and it will be N101 dot com for the for the discount to enter the coupon code there is that correct
1: that's correct she's dr ruth in the coupon code and we'll give you 10 percent off and appreciate it
0: okay brilliant thank you thank you so much dr nathan it's been an absolutely uh really insightful uh conversation and i'm just so excited about what the future brings for those people that are struggling um with with their health and uh the underlying root causes associated with Uh, the redox signaling molecule nitric oxide, which is so fundamental to every system in our body. Uh, Remember, this show is all about brain health, unchaining your pain. You are not stuck with the brain you have. You have the power to make it better. And Dr. Nathan Bryan has kindly been here to show us now. Thank you, Dr. Nathan Bryan.
1: Thank you, Dr. Ruth.
0: You're most welcome. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to like and share this episode and leave a review on my website or on Apple Podcasts. If you're looking for opportunities to optimise your brain health or unchain your pain from a past trauma, make sure you visit my website com and use the code podcast10 at checkout to get 10% off all programs. And always remember, you are not stuck with the brain you have. You have the power to make it better. You have the power to unchain your pain and optimize your brain power and performance so that you can win back energy and time doing what you love.